0: Hi, everyone. Yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, so my name is Adam Kino. I'm the uh, co-founder of Gather and Found. and also run the CTOs and Founders Platform, uh, which is a C-level uh, network community uh, for, yeah, basically the, the European founder, founder community, network CEOs and CTOs. And today we're joined by uh, David Brett, who's the group CEO of Eleven Affairs. So thanks for, thanks for
1: joining us, David. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Yeah, good stuff. So uh, yeah, I think I've, I've said before a few times, I mean, I don't think there's many people who haven't uh, heard of 11fs who've been really kind of watching your your journey it's been uh, it's been really impressive and you know you guys are doing things a little bit differently so i mean just to kind of get started really i mean how how are you guys finding things and what does it look like for you how have things changed over the last few weeks with uh with covid and coronavirus
1: yeah i mean it, it, look i think um on a personal level it's really really difficult um you know my uh a couple of my family members are in uh in that um Uh, particularly sort of in uh, at-risk category. Um, So, I mean, not being able to go see my mum and actually see her and help her is really, really tough. I mean, couple that with genuinely, I love the people I work with. So not being able... To kind of be around those guys on a day-to-day basis is a uh, is a difficult thing for period, for people to kind of deal with over this period. Then, if you throw on top of that everything that's happening from a, a global economy perspective, and inevitably the the downturn that we're going to see from a, both a uh, an economy markets uh, and the rise of unemployment, it's a pretty tough time to kind of do all of these things together. I think if if there's one silver lining of all of this is um, I mean, I've seen people have businesses where uh, you know, they sort of get into trouble and the difficulty is that it's, all, it's just happening to them. Um, the rest of the world is continuing on in the way that it would do, at least in this. Uh, and like I say, it is a very thin sl- silver lining, but a silver lining all the same, is we're all sort of in the same boat. Uh, you know the the world is uh, affecting everybody uh, whatever everything that 's happening with Corona is happening to every every individual professionally and uh, personally um, so actually we 're seeing amazing things happening, people really pulling together uh, we 're seeing competitors working collectively to to make sure that there 's a, a brighter future for everybody um, and from i mean from eleven fs 's perspective right now, um, we really see this as two major um, you know, it's, it's like a camel. There's, there's sort of two humps on this one. Uh, the first one very much is around when we get to go back to work. Um, we were sort of at the beginning of this saying, it's probably a three month working from home process. Thankfully, um, you know, from the get go, we've been a a remote business. Um, So even now that we're at, you know, 200 people working from home with, you know, Google Hangouts and Zooms and, you know, G Suite and all of these different types of things make it really easy to do. Uh, I think if you've got things like Google set up and Slack set up, then actually you can quite happily sort of work remotely anyway um i think the next wave of it which is the economic meltdown that comes after this is probably going to be more, more difficult to, to to navigate because it, with anybody's predictions whether it's goldman sachs or the ft or whoever you read uh, everybody's predicting this to be three times worse than where we were with uh, 2008 uh, and that was not a good place to be in for to starters so um it's tough but um we're pretty tough as well
0: yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think, um, yeah, everyone is kind of experiencing different things. And I think, as you said, that kind of personal, um, you know, the personal side of things in terms of just getting the environment ready to work from home. You know, there are people who have families, people who don't have families. Everyone it has a different sort of situation. But I think what thing we've seen is just huge understanding. I think from from the industry, from the market, everyone is completely respectful of, of each other's uh, kind of personal situation. And yeah, as you mentioned as well, we've seen so much collaboration over the last uh, sort of few weeks as you said, you know, competitors who normally, you know, wouldn't necessarily want to give people kind of the best tricks. I'm sure everyone's keeping the, the best cards up their sleeve, but, um, but, you know, people are really, really kind of putting together, I think, to, to help everyone and, and I guess just, just kind of provide a support system, which has been great. And I think you guys have been obviously fantastic with that, you know, really busy with the podcast, the breakfast shows, which have been fantastic. So um, just coming on to that, I mean, around, the, no one can predict how, you know, how bad it's going to be. Everyone knows it's going to be bad, but, you know, you can't, you know, there's no crystal ball, I guess, for, for what we're going to, we're going to come into. I suppose just from where you guys were, you know, prior to lockdown, the kind of plans you were on, how, how has that affected your business? Obviously, with your sort of core, um, you know, the core business, what, what are you doing internally, I guess, to potentially set yourself up for, for the changes that may come and, and how are you kind of doing your research into that, I suppose?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, from our perspective, um, you know, thankfully there's, uh, particularly within our consultant business there's uh you know long-standing relationships and projects that we have underway that mean that actually there's some good predictability of of kind of revenue over the next couple of quarters um i think the challenge for anybody right now is uh you know anybody who's running if you're the ceo listening to this of a, a small business then you're in the situation where you've got Um, you know, usually three levers, you know, you've got how much money you've got in the bank, you've got how much money you spend, and then you've got how much money you can put in the bank, right? Um, Right now, your control over revenue is going to be quite tough uh in in most walks of life in most industries most people's customers are dealing with the same things that they are meaning they're going to be heavily heavily distracted in terms of uh new business flow uh and extensions of anything that's kind of in in the mix Uh, i think if you're uh looking immediately um you've got to be in a situation where you're controlling your costs really really effectively um and that will be I mean, places like HMRC are doing great things for uh, deferring payments. Uh, I've heard lots of good, uh, you know, uh, stories of uh, people's rent being deferred for good Periods of time to give them the ability to really uh, weather this initial storm, uh, and then obviously everything that actually the the government are doing, uh, both in terms of furlough uh, and various other schemes that are being announced on a daily basis, as they look to to make sure that nobody is is really sort of left behind. So um, it's difficult. I mean, I wish there was a um, like a three step program to kind of ensure you uh, navigated these waters, but the reality of it is, is on a day to day basis um making the decisions that actually take into account actually what what really creates the brightest future for your business Um, it's an interesting one Uh, i mean we're in a pretty privileged position which is uh we've been bootstrapped from the beginning so we don't have i don't have a board or investors breathing down my neck telling me that uh the decisions that i should and shouldn't be making um, so I can, I can really balance out the decisions that I make across 11FS for both the future of 11FS as a, as a company, um, but every individual that's in 11FS as well. Um, and because of that, I can act in a slightly different way than, uh, than, a, than I would have to do if um, you know, VCs were telling me to slash costs by 70% in this period. You know?
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think just, just on that with the VCs, yeah they've uh, we, we've seen some some pretty interesting things i guess from a lot of the businesses we work with who are you know heavily backed by vcs um you know even very very well funded businesses have really kind of slashed everything you know to, to kind of make sure that they're in a good position for for when things do change and yeah it's interesting i mean just around kind of the culture and i guess how how you run as a company i mean you're, you're a very community driven business um it seems like you give you know you're very encouraging and wanting people to, to be active and very vocal in your market which um, you know sometimes I guess you don't find as much within consulting I think um, which is where you know obviously being being a challenger in that space that's obviously something you're, you're looking to change but well,
1: yeah would- I mean I'd, I'd say I mean our, our secret sauce on that one is um, you know prioritize the culture of your business over literally everything else because um, there's, there's so many organizations who don't really realize that their business is only their business because of the people that are in the business Um, You know, the success in terms of the revenue you generate, the ideas, the culture that's there and the way that that sustains the business, all of these things only exist because of your people. Um, Now, that's not kind of, you know, making kings and queens within your organization. It's about the type of people that you bring. But our, you know, our vision is very clear but our mission for us is just about unleashing potential in people. Uh, you know, we say it's like our vision is to change the fabric of financial services, but our mission is just to unleash talent. Because if we can create the environment where people do the best work that they have ever done in their life, because they understand it better or they're more motivated or they're given the environment where they can actually do that and make decisions and move things forward. Um, it just makes sense, right? I mean, in this period, you know, I'm saying about controlling costs, um, for any organization right now, you know, listening to this, it's going to be the biggest cost is going to be people. Um, and if you're not confident that the people that you have are providing, uh, the value that you need them to do across the business, then that's going to be a real difficult thing. And most people, for me, you know, somebody will join an organization and people will be like, well, you know, they didn't live up to the potential. But I think a lot of that is down to people providing the platform for people to do the best work. And a big part of that is knowing what you stand for, defining the culture that you want to have as an organization you know really understanding what your values are as a company um and then making sure you're making that really clear to people um you know it's really hard to uh you know say to somebody they're not doing the right thing if you've never told them what they should be doing in the first place um so for us i mean my my background is is more sports than it is business really Uh, and i've kind of brought as much uh sports thinking into uh how we've set up the culture uh you know just simple things like we've just said. It's like, actually, you wouldn't put a sports team together and not tell them the tactics you want them to play. Uh, And you wouldn't not give somebody a striker feedback about going to the wrong post every time. You know, like you do these things all the time because actually the collective focus of that sports team is to make the team better. Um, and from our perspective, if you really lead with transparency on communication, uh, authenticity in terms of how you deliver these things to people, um, and then actually incrementally ensuring that you are all on the same side of the table metaphorically in terms of driving to uh, achieve the objective that you all commonly hold, um, like it's no surprise that people work better and are more productive at that time period. Um, I mean, for us, there's a a bunch of stuff that we do, which, like you say, in this period, we just externalized it because actually it's things that have been really, really useful for creating our culture. Um, But actually, now that uh, we're in this situation where we sort of almost figured out how we would do it distributed for our workforce at 11FS and then realized well why don't we just distribute this for everybody you know because whether it's i mean our uh, alex uh one of our audio engineers has been doing a a daily music mix he's just an amazing dj uh releases that every day uh, into our slack channel and i was like why don't we just put this out you know so we started distributing those publicly and that's you know the, the listenership for those is, is amazing but even i mean zoe my business manager does a uh a, a, a daily Yoga session now that even people like the CTO of IBM are joining that every morning to uh, to, to sort of get their yoga on and, and start that stuff. So I mean, it's things like this where things that are useful to you as an organization, when we've got this beautiful distribution channel that that you know is called the internet, then actually it's no more effort for us to support everybody than it is just supporting two hundred people at eleven FS.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, look, looking ahead, there's a lot of talk, a lot of debate around how the landscape, I think, is going to change, you know, now that more people, I mean, for me personally, I've got two young children. So, for me, I'm actually pretty keen to get back to the office, to be honest with you. I love my kids. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, for me, finding that balance has actually been pretty tough, and I think a lot of people have had that. Um, but on, on the flip side, a lot of people are finding that they're actually very productive. You know, they're doing some really, really great work from home. Um, it's probably easier, I think, meetings as well. They're probably a little more efficient now. You know, there's no kind of uh, just wasted sort of chats, which I think you need that in a business because that's obviously where you build relationships as well. But how, how do you you know realistically see this this going to change? I, I guess over the next uh, kind of few weeks and, and coming out to, or you know coming out of lockdown, back into normal ways of working.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I hope there's a lot of people that will take a lot of the positives from this time period, like you say, in terms of focus and uh, and actually um, what to say no about. Um, because I mean, a lot of people's lives get filled up with, you know, their diary gets filled up with meetings that are not really aligned to the things that they really need to be doing on a day-to-day basis to meet their objectives. So I'm, I'm hoping this level of focus is, is there. I think what you'll find is there's probably a lot of, um, slightly more senior people in organizations who are adapting to this probably slightly better. Um, and anybody who is new to the workplace are probably struggling a little bit more. Um, I think if you find the, the people who, um, haven't really been used to work in that time period because i mean my my background i mean before 11fs i've worked to management consultancies and consultancies and uh you know big organizations uh this is the longest period of time in the last 10 years i've actually spent at home um similar to you i've got two kids in the other room that uh, my wife is doing an amazing job of um, stopping them, killing each other right now. So, uh, you know, the, the, the world could do with getting back to normal about now, Um, like I say, both from a personal and a professional perspective, really, in terms of being able to sort of continue in what we're doing. But I mean, for, for us, again, that this has not really changed it too much. Um, You know, we really believe in um, sort of atomizing priorities Uh, to the point where actually the entirety of the organization sets and says to everybody what their priority is every single day. Um, Because it's just a great way of reinforcing connective tissue between people within the organization and actually understanding where people can actually help with one another. So I think um, for many people, You know, I I actually hope some big organizations realize that, uh, you know, having a culture of trusting people to do the work wherever they are, where work can fit around their lives rather than the other way around. Uh, actually leads to really productive people. Um, And all of the fear that people had around remote working and, you know, can we trust our people to when we can't see them, uh, hopefully has really sort of dissipated because I think people are doing an amazing job. I mean, definitely within 11FS, we've seen no dip in productivity in any way, shape or form. Um, But we're just allowing people to work around uh, or work around life um you know like say two kids i mean i'm surprised my one of my one of my kids haven't walked in the back of this already if i'm honest with you so um but you have to everybody it seems to have just relaxed a little bit which is great so whether we're dealing internally or whether we're dealing with a you know gigantic global bank uh you know somebody's dog walking in or somebody's kid walking in or you know uh there being connectivity issues or whatever uh people are making the the best of the situation uh, in order to ensure that we all just kind of keep moving forward. It's like people have developed a, a slightly more human level of tolerance, which is a wonderful thing
0: yeah no 100% I, I was just going to say just around that that kind of human element um, I've lost count of family calls my uh, my daughter's walked in dressed as Elsa from Frozen or something and yeah I think that there's just that kind of level of understanding where people just people just get it and you know they, they sort of have to adapt to the environment that we're in um, and with, with that I mean the, the message seems fantastic you know as a business I think that's probably a big part of, of you know the, the success that you have seen. just to kind of take us back then so when you kind of you know first set the business up and you know it was just a few of you have you stayed completely true to what you set out to do have you had to change in any way and yeah i guess how did, how did you sort of start to put those ideas together what was the uh, the most important thing you know value mission vision you know how did you kind of set that up i suppose
1: yeah i mean from the very beginning um and i, I was working at um uh, gartner so i was running there i was running their global digital banking practice um left left that on the inkling that there was something that we could do to sort of move a lot of these models forwards. Um, for me, uh, it always comes back to, um, you know, your, uh, you know, your vision and your mission. Uh, can you establish a, a vision and a mission, uh, especially when you're trying to start an organization? Uh, can you start a vision and a mission that actually, um, gets other people motivated by what you're doing? Um, because if you if you can do that and you can create that um, that sort of uh, magnetism around the thing that you're doing, the thing that you're driving, then actually what you'll find is you'll you'll start to get people to to sort of get involved with what you're doing really really quickly anyway. Um, for me, um, and we we've talked about this a lot over the course of um, uh, you know eleven FSs um, you know four years now, is uh, you know our, our purpose was was pretty clear. Uh, you know, we, we were there because we see big banking organizations spending billions of pounds and not really achieving the thing that they set out to do. Um, and actually with that purpose and with, you know, a lot of our narrative is around really digital banking only being 1% finished despite all of the efforts, despite all of the stuff that's been put in place. And with that purpose, with that thesis, uh, you know, that narrative around the organization, can you use that as a magnet for the type of talent that you need to then make the, not only a good idea, but create the credibility in the space that can actually make those things happen. Um, and for me, it's, it's sort of as simple as that success for me is, uh, is momentum. Um, you know, being able to convince, uh, you know, Jason Bates, uh, who was, you know, co-founder of Monzo and CPO over there, uh, that this was something that we could do. Um, that one bank was great, but what about if we went and built 50, um, all over the planet of all the different types, uh, as well as, you know, Simon Taylor, who was running, uh, R and D for the blockchain division in Barclays, uh, Ross Methven, who was, uh, running a successful research firm over in, uh, called Mapper, um, actually to be able to galvanize and create that magnet that pulled those people together, um, really that narrative has not changed very much, um you know, actually what we believe in, we've kind of focused a little bit more on it. Um, and actually when it comes to uh, the things that change as you scale, um, really it's about when you, when you pull a small group of people together, um, the things that connect you are personality and the bits that you carry around in your brain. Um, when you start getting to 50 people, the processes that you put in break. Uh, you know, communication processes or, uh, you know, any any type of process you can possibly put in place when you are starting will have broken by 50 uh, and then by 100 and then by 150 and then by 200. Uh, we must have gone through, you know, 50 different iterations of our team meeting because, you know, at one point it was like five of us on a, on a Google Hangout. Uh, by the time it was 50 we needed to change the format of it quite dramatically. I mean, we used to run a, a Friday meeting that was uh, highlight, low light, and who gets your shout out? You know, what was the great thing that happened this week? what sucked and how can we help and who in the company went out of their way to help you more than anybody else this week. Um, When you start hitting 50 people, that meeting is suddenly like, it's like an hour and a half. Uh, When you hit a hundred people, then that's nearly a day of your time. Um, So, you know, how you keep iterating these things is really, really important. And then actually the stuff that, um, what was really interesting was the stuff that uh, myself and Ross and Jason and, and Simon would do automatically we realized that actually we're in a really privileged situation. I mean, we, you know, I've, I've worked for, you know, 15 years across big companies and, and small companies, startups and big banks and big consultancies, all, all, all sorts, you know, Jason's worked at Accenture and Monzo and Starling and all these other companies. Um, and Simon's worked at, you know, uh, T-Sys and, and Barclays and all these different places. The stuff that we just do automatically because of that experience actually isn't automatic to everybody um so and and the nuance of when you uh when you're such a purpose driven organization uh you actually need to continually make sure that you're you're writing down the rationale um so for us i mean we we lived for three years uh on three main premises really which was uh the belief that digital banking is one percent finished um uh, the focus that actually. Uh, it was about, you know, getting shit done. You know, this was the mentality that we had. It was about focus on delivery, about execution. Um, because, you know, in our minds, um, startups don't, uh, starve. Uh, they drown. Usually it's like a thousand good ideas and a thousand opportunities. How do you focus on the thing that's most critical? Um, and then the, the third one of those, which was our blanket coverage for pretty much every policy that you can have was just don't be a dick. Um, and actually, whether it was, um, hey, um, you know, the, the best example I always come to is like travel policy. Uh, we still don't have a travel policy. We have the usual judgment. Um, in some instances, if coronavirus is hitting and you're in Singapore and the only last seat is a £27,000 one to get out of Singapore to get home, then actually that's okay. Um, but in normal circumstances, use your judgment of whether business class or first class or you know that sandwich is billable or not, basically. Because what we found actually through our careers is most organizations take out people's personal uh, ability to make decisions. Um, if I tell you you've got 50 pounds to spend, you'll spend 50 pounds. If I tell you to spend what you need to spend, you'll use your personal judgment on what those things are. Um, and I really, really believe on um you know i talk a lot about we're more like the special forces than we are the army Um, we will tell people what we want to do but we believe in our people to figure out the best way of actually making those things happen um you know it's a we are a uh, i think a triumph in macro management which means we really believe that we're good at hiring smart people and then we really believe in our people to do the right thing
0: yeah and i think it's um you know, as you've kind of touched on there, you know, just with the uh, kind of expenses and stuff like that, it's just treating people like adults and actually giving them the, yeah, the ability and the opportunity to actually kind of do things for themselves. Um, you know, it,
1: it's, it's interesting because giving people responsibility and, and it's a balancing act between giving people responsibility and making sure people are aware that they are accountable. Because uh, when you have complete transparency, then actually the ability for everybody to make the organization more successful is there. Um, and actually then it doesn't, it doesn't lay down to, I mean, so many organizations I've worked in, uh, your ability to do work is denoted by how senior you are within that organization. Um, from our perspective, if somebody's got a great idea, it's a great idea. I don't care who, where it's coming from or whose idea it is. If it's a good idea. Let's do it. Um, and I think it leads, to a, it leads to a very different level of accountability that people take for the things that they're driving forward for the organization. So um, again, I, I should say, I mean, I, I say, say this a lot is um, a lot of people don't understand culture and they think it's some sort of fluffy thing that materially doesn't under, you know, impact anything. But if you have great people and a bad culture, you won't keep the people for very long and they won't be very productive and your company won't be very productive. If you have a, a very uh, focused um, culture that it's based around ensuring that actually you're helping people do the best work that they've ever done, uh, the performance of the business will, will be you know 11x what it should be. Uh, and that's really the secret that we've had is, uh, I mean, it's not really a secret. It's like, hey, bring really smart people together, allow them to do the best work that they've ever done like, uh, we really shouldn't be surprised that this works, you know?
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And with, we, you know, when people start, you know, software engineers, architects, uh, you know, different business leaders within the company, um, do, do, you, do you have like a workshop around, you know, your story, your mission? Do they sort of get given that introduction? I guess they get that through the process when they join you guys anyway, right? But um, yeah, how do you kind of set them up to, to really feel a part of, you know, the, the 11FS family? And how do you give them that kind of platform to make sure that they're, you know, within that culture straight away?
1: Yeah, so from from our um uh I mean having values is one thing, but actually what you do with them is is so much more important. You like we we've uh, I mean I I always use Enron as a a good, bad example, depending on which way you want to sort of look at it. Um, you know, if your if your values are literally just something that is a poster on a wall, um, then they're not really very meaningful. Um, you know, you have to be confident that your management team and every individual in your organization lives these things day in day out else they're meaningless. Um, so for us, you know, actually creating those values and the attributes and for anybody listening to this, if you head over to my LinkedIn profile, we've put out there all of our values or attributes for everybody else to see as well as the process in which we went about to create them to help anybody else that we can do. Um, what we sort of found with that is, you know, embedding them into hiring processes. Um, one thing I'd say, I mean, we 've been hiring from culture for culture or like almost for day one. Um, it got to the point where I mean just keeping up with CVs was almost impossible if i 'm honest with you so i, I didn 't actually look at CVs at all uh, for about a year period uh, until we 'd spoken to the person but I only spoke to the people who sort of passed the cultural test to start with. Um, For me, there was four main questions that I asked at the beginning of uh, an application process Um, and with people's level of effort uh, and context and humor in those things. Did they then get a interview? Um, And it was uh, for us, it was just shorthand for um, you can hire really, really smart people. But if there 're smart people who don 't fit into the the culture or add to the culture that you 've got uh, or work in a similar way that that the people within your organization work in, then it will be a, uh, it will be a difficult thing for those guys to to fit in, especially in periods of time where you 're growing so exponentially um, and you know we 're we're pretty pretty uh, fast paced organization uh getting people up to speed is really important i mean I, the other thing i'd say is from the seconds that people sign a contract uh that they're joining 11fs we have a detailed program of onboarding uh you know onboarding doesn't start from uh the day that they you know arrive at the office or i guess in this context uh, stay at home um but um but it, it starts from the minute that they sign the contract because really uh, or even beyond that. I mean, everything that we put out there from a content perspective, uh, that where we're helping the community gets people to understand how we are as a company. Um, we are ridiculously transparent when it comes to um, who we are and how we act. Um, because what I found is the, the difference between those two things, you know, how many organizations have you seen market themselves as something, but when people get inside that organization, they're like, there's none of this stuff exists. Like they they were lovely stories, but now the reality is, is that none of that stuff is there. Um, and actually, I mean, I should say that we are not, we're not perfect, we, but we will always be work in progress. Uh, and I think if you're honest about what you're good at and you're honest about what you're bad at and actually you show people those things transparently day in, day out through social media or, you know, conversations like we're having today, um, it sets people's expectations of where those things are not just for employees but for clients as well you know i say uh, a lot of the stuff that we do on podcasts or blog posts or whatever is really just damage limitation of setting people's expectations of that first meeting that we have with them because we're exactly the same people that we are on the podcast or right now as i would be talking to a ceo of or a board at a bank um and that for me is like it's a coping mechanism um if you're not like that work is really hard like, if you have to pretend to be a different person and act in a different way, like, life is tough. Um, but when you are really yourself during that period, uh, you know, remembering that golden rule of not being a dick, um, then actually you can, you can really do an amazing amount of work and you can really, you know, have a pretty big impact on the industry.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, yeah, it's kind of weighing up ability versus passion, I guess, as well. Um, you know, you can quickly see the people that buy into to your vision, want to be a part of your journey. And, you know, I'm- 100%.
1: Yeah, so and pas- passion and positivity are such huge things for me. Um, you know, I think pe- people can lose, um, uh, lose translation and what they think positivity is. You know, I've seen a lot of people kind of think, um, uh, you know, there's a lot written about sort of, um, toxic positivity, you know, always looking on the bright side. Um, but I think if you're a, you know, an, if you've got a sort of an entrepreneurial mindset, you're always looking for opportunity. Um, and whatever happens, whatever circumstance happens, uh, it's the people who react to that circumstance quickly, uh, then you know, quicker than the market can do, quicker than the competitors can do, to be in a situation where they're actually able to uh, seek opportunity and seek advantage within those things. You know, it's it's like principle one or one o of evolution, right? You know, it's a, adapting to change, um, and really all that's happened. I mean, taking it full circle back to Corona again, it's like. What's happened in the world right now is the, the market has fundamentally shifted. Um, you know those organisations who are still trying to do the same thing that they did pre-Corona right now and hoping it all goes away are going to be the ones that I think are going to most struggle in this. Um, the ones who are really adapting now to processes, practices, uh, you know, food chain, uh, communication methods with customers. Um, you know all of those things are so critical to make sure that actually the environment that you work in is sustainable for you as a business Um, so yeah I mean this sucks in a major major way for everybody Um, but in that there's always opportunity
0: yeah of course and yeah it's gonna be interesting to see you know which companies sort of come out of this Um, I mean I think we as a company we had I think six or seven days in our office um, before we uh, kind of had to shut everything down and move out. So, you know, I think the plans that a lot of people, um, you know, maybe wrote at the start of the year, definitely going to fundamentally change. However, I guess, you know, from, from your side, with, with the, uh, you know, the clients you work with, and you know, the, the leaders that you're speaking with from a client perspective, how how has their mindset changed? I guess again, it's about trying to predict. You know, setting yourself up now, trying to predict about what's going to happen. Have you seen a, a huge shift in in how a lot of your clients are working and and how you're working with them to to support them through this? Uh,
1: I think we're um, I'd say we're we're in a sort of privileged place that we we work with people sort of globally. So um, I think if you if you look at the impact that's happening over in the US right now, uh, it's a bit of a whiteout. Uh, you know those guys are uh, really in the eye of the storm when it comes to everything that's happening with the the pandemic. So it's a, a lot more difficult for those guys to try and create any sort of you know business continuity in terms of what they're doing because their focus is so much on providing stability and services for their customers. Um, I think the the thing that we've sort of seen more with clients that we have. Uh, either in the Middle East or Far East, you know, uh, like um, China and Japan and and, uh, Singapore and whatnot, Um, actually business is starting to return, albeit at a sort of reduced capacity in terms of what's happening there. Um, So I think, you know, globally, uh, the reaction is different depending on really what circumstances that they're dealing with. it's it's hard because we're we're sort of in a situation. If this was a tornado or a hurricane or something, we could you know band down the hatches and say that within three to five days uh, we would be dealing with the fallout, rather than actually dealing with the the, the hurricane. Um, right now, globally, the hurricane and the fallout are happening in parallel, uh, you know, sequentially, uh, you know, repeatedly. Uh, given how this infection kind of works. So, I mean, this is really the the most difficult thing for for SMEs and businesses of all all sizes at this stage is we just don't know how long this is going to last. You know, the reality is, is that we might all be working from home for another two months. Uh, If it goes really badly and things tick up again, this could be six months. Um, From an economy perspective, uh, you know, actually Q4 might get back together or it might be Q4 2024 before we start seeing the, the markets kind of return to the space that we're at. So it's, it's difficult dealing with, um, uh, you know, if I, if I had, uh, if I had one superpower, uh, it's dealing with ambiguity. Um, you know, if I had two, it's sleeping when I'm stressed. Uh, so thank, thank goodness for those two ones. Cause, um, I think without them in this time period, then, uh, uh I think I'd probably be in a, a very different place
0: yeah yeah 100% yeah I think sleeping when stress yeah that's a that's a great one to have um so we, we're kind of coming into the last couple kind of few minutes now so um just I guess just as kind of like a few kind of leaving points for you know tips and advice you know if, if there are CEOs and, and leaders out there which there are you know who are experiencing huge challenges and um, you know a lot of companies as well even with the you know the furlough you know that's not necessarily um that's not a, the, the finished solution right that's not going to help everybody out nine months so you know what are the kind of the key things obviously the people should be doing right now to make sure you know they survive they're still healthy and you know just to make sure that they're kind of maintaining their own sanity really and looking at the right thing what are kind of the just the core things is a bit of a leaving point really that uh that people need to be doing right now
1: um i'd say um you know keeping your own sanity uh, as you said at the top of this this is um you know you have your professional and your personal life uh, don't let your personal life be a uh, down too far on your priorities, given everything that's happening, because come what may, that will be there. Um, so make sure you're kind of building your professional life on the stability of your personal life. Um, and, you know, your, your husband, your wife, your kids will, will sort of thank you for that uh, uh, down the line because uh, you know, to a critical kind of bedrock to build everything else off from a professional life. I, I'd say, um, you know, uh, you are going to have very limited control right now over the revenue side of your business, given everything that's happening. Um, the thing that is within your control is the costs across your organization. Um, I think um, nobody's going to look back on this in six months time and, and say, um, I wish I hadn't saved so much money. Um, so, do everything you can right now to ensure that you can create continuity for your business, but that you're creating efficiencies uh, and you're reducing spend. Um, negotiate with your suppliers hard, uh, negotiate with your office provider hard. Uh, you know, really look into what is it across your business that isn't putting more money in the bank and actually make sure you're, you're taking advantage of the, the government schemes that are out there. Um, I think the, the rest of it, it really is um, perseverance because uh, this is not a, uh, I mean, you can look at a spreadsheet for as long as you like. There is not a, a, a chess move or a, a mind trick you can do to get you through this. What is going to happen is real perseverance across this. And remembering fundamentally, as I said at the top, your business is only your business because of your people. Uh, and actually, uh, as many of your people as you can really get to un- understand the difficulty of the decisions that you're making over this time period will mean that inevitably, if you get to the point where tough decisions need to be made, then you'll find a lot more understanding from the people that you're kind of working with. So, I mean, if you're just now, getting to the point where, um, you know, transparency of communication and an authenticity through that period is something that's happening. Uh, it's going to be a tough sell to kind of flip to, flip to that switch right now. Um, but if you've been doing it, uh, I'd say, you know, the critical really is whatever your culture is, whatever the values are within your organization, now is not the time to lose them. Now is the time to really double down on what it is that makes you you.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And I think, I mean, we've all heard some some really good and some pretty bad stories, I guess, as well, in terms of how that has been communicated with your staff. And yeah, it's just having that kind of trust, isn't it? You know, the honesty, uh, transparency, obviously, is so key. Uh, you know, you should never admit bad news. It has to come out, right? So why sort of sit back on it? You know, you need to have that relationship with, with your staff. Um, so yeah, no, some, some great points. And I th- one thing I always really like to ask people as well is that, you know, over the journey that you've been on the last four years, 10, 15, 20, you know, you may be the exact same sort of guy that you were sort of 15, 20 years ago. You may be different. I mean, if you could sort of go back and, and just give yourself a piece of, a piece of advice, um, you know, what, what would that be? What would you say to, uh, to, to a younger David know,
1: so it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, um, uh, I'm so grateful for what I get to do today. I'm not sure I'd change anything through that journey. Um, it's like, uh, it's like the plot of Back to the Future 2. I almost wouldn't want to change anything because if I did, then I might not be able to do the thing that I'm doing right now. Um, but I think the thing, the thing that I'd, um, I'd definitely say if I could go back was work harder yeah. um, because I mean, I, I've been very lucky that actually uh, you know, my, my background was more uh, sports than business and I was just naturally quite good at sports. Therefore, I didn't really have to try very hard uh, and I could, uh, I could sort of outperform in terms of that space. And sadly I took that approach to, uh, academia. Um, uh, and it wasn't until, uh, I tore, uh, all the ligaments in my left knee and I had to, uh, get a proper job that I realized that actually there was a correlation between effort and impact. Um, because actually when you're not naturally good at something and you actually have to try, you start to understand what real effort actually is. Um, so if I could go back to a, I don't know, a 15, 16-year-old me, it would be put in as much effort into your academic life as you did your sporting life. Because ultimately, uh, when you look at assurances of careers at the end of the day, that one's going to be much more assured than the other side of things. Um, you know, Thankfully, when I got to uh, the age of 23, um, I realized there was this correlation uh, and if I'm honest with you you know if I could give anybody one tip um it was the flip that went off in my head you know the switch that went off was just work harder than everybody else around you uh and that's all I've done ever since
0: sure. would you uh, would you change the injury
1: do you know it's a, it's an interesting one um do you know i love I love what I'm doing now mm-hmm. um so I mean I could have done without a a knee like a watermelon for for a couple of months but uh, but other than that i um yeah, I think, I think I'd live with it. You know, there's not much that I would have, uh, I would change. I think in order to have a business run in the way that we run a business, um, then I still would have wanted all of those experiences. And actually I still would have wanted to know what that side of competition really, really feels like, because we embody so much of that in terms of how we act, uh, on a day-to-day basis at the company. Um, you know, we are on a macro and aggressive company, um, As in our understanding of the industry and what needs to change in the industry, we are very clear on and not scared of saying about it. But on the micro level, we are the most human organization that you can kind of come across. Um, And exactly as you would do on a sports team is you want to win. You want to change the industry. You want to do that. You want to define what that means. Um, Now, in a business context, winning is not what it is within a sporting context, in a business context, winning is, is, um, infinite in terms of the objectives that you can kind of set around it. Um, so it's, it, the context is different, but we're bringing in all of the things that we, uh, you know, that I learned all the way through that period, which for me, um, you know, lets me at least get off a little bit on, of the, uh, the competitive nature that I have still brimming in my brain. So, um, so no, I don't think I'd change anything. I'd probably still take the knee and the pins as it stands.
0: Yeah, no, fine. Fair enough. And yeah, I mean, we're all hoping that support comes back soon as well, right? So <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that would be good.
0: <laughs> but um, David, thanks for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you guys still continue uh, to onboard and hire, so continue to reach out to your kind of TA teams. Uh, I mean, you're pretty open in, you know, welcoming, I guess, feedback or, you know, just people reaching out to you. So, I mean, through LinkedIn as well would be a good place for guys to reach out and continue to get in touch
1: yeah you can find me i mean pretty much on every social network at this stage uh linkedin's the place that i'm preferencing most or if you want to hit me on email it's just david at 11fs.com
0: Sure, perfect stuff well david thanks for your time um yeah i'm sure everyone's going to be uh, yeah really inter- interested in, in hearing hearing the story and, and continuing to watch you guys uh you know grow over the next few years so um yeah best of luck with growth and uh, and yeah thanks for your time
1: thank you for having me on
0: cheers david